0: Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the AppAdvice weekly podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAct.net and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice. In this episode, Trevor and I try to avoid going mad while exploring dungeons with flying felines, bohemian livestock, and an anthropomorphized cube. How are you doing tonight, Trevor?
1: Doing good. That sounds like an action-packed episode with Dungeons when you have all kinds of crazy creatures with you.
0: I know. I like, I'm going crazy. The stress exactly. levels. Are through
1: the roof. <laughs> and I guess one place that does have some high stress levels is probably Apple HQ right now as we get closer and closer to the launch of the new iPhone. And... We have a pretty good idea that the date's going to be September 12th, as Wall Street Journal reported it, and then TechCrunch corroborated it. And so September 12th is two weeks away from when this podcast is going to be published. And so that's going to be a Wednesday, the second Wednesday in September. And Apple might have it at the Steve Jobs Theater at their new campus, but it's not quite ready, and it's not going to be ready in two weeks. I don't know how they're going to pull that off. So they really haven't sent the invites out yet, and press don't know where they're gonna to go to to cover this event. And it seems like there's a lot of moving parts, especially because there's so many big things coming for this event.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, there's so much hype and expectation for this that they, they want to get it just right. Especially where we just had the Samsung Note 8 announced, and all and there was all that hype about that. That Apple really wants to do this event up right and. I think they're they're trying to rush to get things ready. But at the same time, people are now, well, what's happening? Like, why don't we have the invites yet? And so I, it seems like it's already kind of having problems even before they get going. So hopefully they can figure this out and the invites will all of a sudden show up while you're listening to this podcast, and uh, we'll have that September 12th date, which has all, already been confirmed. It just hasn't been confirmed by Apple to the masses.
1: Right, and that's pretty much all we're waiting on. But it makes you wonder, if Apple is hesitant to send this date out or, you know, confirm it, how much supply is there going to be of this super greatest iPhone of all time?
0: Oh, right, yeah, I'm a little nervous that it's going to be one of these things, if you even delay to try to think if you want to buy this thing, you're already going to be months from getting it. So if you don't jump, like, kind of like that Jet Black uh, iPhone 7 when that first came out, and if you weren't up and you didn't weren't lucky enough to get in on the, the order, then you're out of luck and you had to wait months to get it while they tried to rush to keep up with demand.
1: Yep. And so you can mark your calendars. Hopefully, like Brett said, the invite comes out as you're listening to this podcast. And that means we can move on to some apps this week. And I know Apple's busy at work, and that's our app this week, At Work. It is a time-tracking app that really tries to make it as easy as possible once you get everything set up. So it has a bunch of different features so you can set up your work schedule as well as what projects and tasks you might be working on. So that way down the road, all you have to do is press create new entry and then it can start a live timer. So say you click that right when you get to work and then you can go back and stop it whenever you want. And then you can assign it to a project and task that hopefully you've already created or you've used one time. And then it's really easy to assign where your work is going to your hourly wage based on different projects and tasks or specific clients that you might be working on. So everything is kind of automated once you get that initial setup made.
0: Right. Yeah, I can see this as an invaluable tool for someone who's like a freelancer, maybe like an artist or something that has multiple projects going and they need to keep track of how much time they're spending on these different projects and how much they're going to be charging the client for their hourly rates, whatever they happen to agree on uh, with that particular client and somehow keep track of – how much time was spent on each one of these different things. And so when you have that constant countdown timer, you can easily see how much time you're spending. And like you said, once you get those projects set up, it's super simple to then just add new entries for these things to list how much time you spent. You can even set up, Defaults for the different clients, so if you, or clients or projects, so that way if you do do an additional entry for something that already exists in there, it pulls in all that information. You don't have to keep on re-entering it each time. So you always have this nice little monthly, daily way to track how much money uh, to charge various clients or or where you're spending your time, just to see a, at a quick glance how your time is being used.
1: Exactly. And again, you could manually enter all this, you know, on a spreadsheet or even within this app. But that live time tracking really kind of distinguishes it. And then there's a completely minimal interface. I don't know if you could do a much more minimal interface than having text on a white screen, a couple columns and a big new entry button. And that's it.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's really simplistic. I mean, it's... And there are some features that are kind of buried behind, like, a paywall, so it's a free app where you can do the basics. I think if you wanted to pay, uh, there were a few different unlocks. One allowed you to do more than 25 entries a month, so uh, if you were someone that obviously you're going to work more than 25 days if you're someone that works the weekends and everything. So you probably will have to pay, but it was minimal charges just to unlock the the rest of the app. But I can easily see this as like a, a nice app to go to that if you want to try this out and try to get a better grip on your time or how to charge projects, uh, definitely try it out.
1: Right. So you can unlock the full app, everything, all the different extensions for $4.99. Or you can just, you know, put in a manual work schedule for $1.99 or data export for $1.99. Or like you said, the unlimited entry is $1.99. But if you get into the flow of this app for free, it's best to just pay 5 bucks, and then you have a time tracking utility that's really well done and has a number of different
0: features, even though it's so simplistic in design. Right, yeah, and there's ways to back up your data, too. So you're not going to lose. You can email it to yourself. You can uh, back it up to the cloud. So you don't even have to worry about that part of it either.
1: And so that's at work. It's free, and it's iPhone only. And it was recently updated for the Apple Watch as well. And so that means it's time for some new games. And the big name released this week is Darkest Dungeon Tablet Edition, which that means it's a port, so it's now coming over to the iPad. And it's a dungeon crawler game mixed with a survival kind of challenge game. So you have that classic idea where you have a team of heroes that need to descend through dungeons, and you're going to have different areas to explore, and then you'll come across enemies to fight in a turn-based setup. But then you have that overarching kind of like Oregon Trail or more recently Death Road to Canada survival adventure idea where you have to care about each member of your party and that has many different layers. So there's the basic, they've been injured or they have some kind of disease that you might have to work with. Or this game introduces the actual psyche of your heroes. So if stress levels reach a certain amount, they start to go a little crazy. And that introduces all new problems in the way they interact with one another as well as how they perform in battle. And so you have a whole different layer Of things to consider beyond just a traditional dungeon crawler
0: game yeah this is one i i wasn't familiar with from its pc origins but it is a crazy difficult game like you are going to die a lot your heroes are going to die you can abandon a quest if if one of your heroes happens to die you can take off and try to save the others but otherwise you can try to continue on but that whole stress aspect of the game is such a nice component it's, it's so different because some of these you're not going to ha- you're no longer going to have control over those characters so they are going to start either behaving very selfishly or maybe they're they're now paranoid that the rest of the team is against them and so you can't predict what they're going to do and so it really changes the whole gameplay so you're you're trying to protect them from this and say they survive the quest. you can then go they have other means for you to like have them rest or do other things where you can put the the remaining parties that may have survived the quest and try to bring that stress level down to a point where then they're now a contributing member of your team, or you can try to just push forward and see if you can complete the quest and take your chances, which odds are it's not going to go too well unless you're really near the end of the quest. So it's just a really challenging, but fun. Like, I, 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 it does stress you out, as the player, it stresses you out, but it's still a fun experience that you're you're going to want to then try to go back in and try to compete the quest with maybe more characters or different set of characters because you have lost your previous ones. But you always want to go back and try to play more and see if you can make it further.
1: And there's just so much depth and layers to the game to every single time you finish a quest, it seems like the game introduces new areas you can send your heroes to. Like you can send them to the tavern or the you know, sanctuary to get some kind of meditation, all these things to work on the stress levels. But then you also have a caravan so you can bring in new heroes while those heroes might rest up. So you can kind of cycle them through and you can always go back out to do a new quest. And just like you said, there's so many ways to die that it seems like even, you know, the best strategic decisions don't even matter at times just because you have like overwhelming challenges that you're going to face for your party but that's all part of the game and then you kind of learn about your different characters they establish traits like say you have a leader who comes across some loot and he takes it for himself well now you know this guy has a tendency to do that so maybe you'll switch him out for somebody later on or you'll be more prone to letting him die and have it taken the brunt of the damage so you have that kind of balance and then learning about your different heroes what they can do how they deal with different enemies And you just can keep going back in and facing new quests. And there's a whole ton of different quests. And then the game has that beautiful kind of cel-shaded design. It's a little bit reminiscent of Telltale in that regard.
0: Oh, yeah. The art in this is amazing. It looks almost like a graphic novel that you're reading. And then they have this great narrator throughout the entire game that kind of reminds me of Bastion a little bit, where he's telling me what's going on, and it's like this creepyish deep voice, and it really helps to drive the story forward. Now, as far as the actual combat in the game goes, that's all this turn-based, so you'll have your party of four characters, and they'll kind of be in a line. So you're moving them down through each room in this dungeon, and then you'll there'll be an overarching map you can see, so you can kind of decide where you want to go to next. But as you're walking them along, you just tap on the screen to kind of walk them forward or backward. You'll come across various objects and you can tap to try to pick up these things. Maybe it's a a torch that isn't lit or maybe it's a bookshelf and you want to explore the bookshelf. Well, you're kind of taking a chance when you do that because you don't know if the stuff in the bookshelf is gonna be safe or if it's gonna cause one of your characters to go mad or something. So you're always kind of weary about, do I take a chance at picking up some nice loot, or do I just keep on moving and hope to make it through this quest, find the things I need to kill, and kill them and move on. But then once you actually get to a spot where there's combat, so you'll have a line of enemies, it could be one, it could be three, it could be four, what you're going to do is take turns on each of your characters and choosing how you're going to attack or maybe heal your party. But the order in which those characters are lined up does matter. And you have always have the option to just kind of swap out your characters to either move them further down the line so they're further away from the enemies or closer. And that's either going to help you because of – Maybe they only have close attacks, or maybe they have ranged attacks where you want to move them toward the back because they can still reach other people. So, or even the enemies. So, maybe the enemies have ranged or close attacks that you want to try to protect someone if they're already kind of hurt and you got to move them in the back. So, there's all kinds of strategy there just in how you're going to use those characters that you brought in with you, how you're going to attack how you're going to reorganize them to keep them safe, or how you're going to use whatever goods you happen to bring in with you to heal or or however you're going to use them to, to buff up your characters so they're stronger or can attack better. So there's so many layers of strategy within the game, which at first it might just seem pretty simplistic as you're tapping and choosing attacks, but when you dig into it, there's a lot of game there. Yep.
1: They've really done a good job. I mean, it's so intricately designed, and it seems like they brought the full experience over to the iPad. And that's Darkest Dungeon Tablet Edition. It's four ninety nine, and it's iPad only, and it's one of the most deluxe, kind of intricately designed games we've come across in a while.
0: Oh yeah, at five dollars, you should definitely be checking this out. I think the Steam version is like twenty five. So uh, definitely check it out.
1: Yep. And then there's Catbird, which is a smaller game in structure and s- scheme, but that doesn't mean it's not as a- as appealing in its own right. And so it's that classic kind of retro-inspired platformer with a little puzzle platformer action, and you have this cat who can has wings and can fly around. So it's not going to be to fly upward. It's more of like a hover, straight line kind of flight, but that lets you deal with all kinds of new platformer elements because each level is designed to base your challenge on being able to hover in the right directions, the right areas, taking off from a higher platform to possibly make it across this gap to reach over to the next one. And as you go, they're going to build upon that idea with new switches and buttons and blocks to push out of the way, as well as enemies to face, all with that core idea of being able to fly as a cat.
0: Right, yeah, he almost looks like a bat when you look at yeah. him. He, he, And so what you can do is you can move left and right, and then you can jump and then hold in the jump button, and he kind of does like a, like a hang gliding type move. So he'll slowly start to descend, but he goes super slow. So you can really kind of get precise movement within the air and kind of line him up, and maybe there's a, a long drop where you have to drop between like uh, spikes on the left and spikes on the right, where you can line them up just in the center of that, release that that jump-slash-flight button, and it'll just drop down right between those. So you can get a lot of really kind of interesting puzzles with that, Where, like you said, where you're jumping either to get to a higher area so you have the the distance to be able to glide to where you need to go, or just kind of slowly weaving yourself through obstacles while in mid-flight but they've done this one was one that just really surprised me i didn't know anything about it i just loaded it up and i was there's 40 levels in here and i must have sat did not move i played through like 15 of the levels just trying some of the some of them i had to retry cuz i lost and and died but i just kept on sitting there and playing and playing and playing and going to the next one cuz i was just hooked on it cuz it was just uh, super simple controls, really nice level designs, and then they just would add pepper in new elements every once in a while that would cause the puzzles to be a little more difficult, or maybe there's a new enemy type you have to deal with and it's just one of these games where it just captivates you and you just wanna play through the entire thing even just in one sitting because it's that good
1: yeah it's you know it's such a simple idea of you've played platformer games before. It has those familiar ideas, and then just tweaking a little bit with that ability to glide over a gap, and it introduces kind of a whole new way to play while still being familiar. And you have that cute main character, that retro pixel art design, and it just adds up to a game that you're going to fully play. You're going to want to play through the 40 included levels with some big boss battles along the way.
0: Yeah, and one of the other things I haven't even tried yet is they also do offer a time trial mode where you can try to race through the levels and see how quickly you can complete them. I haven't even hit that part yet. I'm just trying to play through the normal Gameplay, but the game is free. But they have a they have ads every like five or so deaths, and then you have to watch like a super quick ad, and then you're off and playing again. There's no energy meter, nothing to to hold you back. You can play through the whole game for free. If you decide, you could pay a dollar ninety nine to completely remove the ads. So it's a one time in app purchase. But otherwise, if you can deal with a few ads every every so often, if you're more often if you die a lot, but uh it's it's an amazing value for like that you can they give you this much game for free and without annoying little energy meters or anything like that
1: yep and that's catbird it's free and it's universal and then there's marvin the cube which is another idea of a cute main character and a simple idea that is expanded and built upon with each new level And so this is just kind of a pure puzzle game, that pathologic idea where you need to figure out the right sequences of moves to get your little cube to the exit point. And so you start out where you just need to flip switches. And then you'll go and you need to get energy from one point to another to activate those switches. And then it just keeps building upon various ideas. And all you do is swipe to move your cube. It flips, you know, 360 degrees. So you're just swiping in whatever direction you want to move to move Marvin around. And it just is surprisingly simple, and yet it gets really complex. It's not the most revolutionary game on the App Store, but what it does, it does really well.
0: Yeah, so you're basically rolling him around. So there are points where you have to roll into, like, these other cube-like contraptions, and then when you roll, he ca- those roll with him. And so he can now get higher because, say, it rolled underneath him. Well, now he can get up to maybe a second level of platforms, and then he can roll off and leave his little attachment behind, but now he can reach, like, a new level. So they it's... It, you're right, it doesn't really create anything new, but it does do a really nice job with the level design that they're always building, they're always making it tougher and tougher. And this game did get kind of tough pretty quickly, and then you had some levels that were fairly easy, and then uh, then it starts getting super tough again just as they add the new elements. So it, it's a little unbalanced, I thought, with the, with the difficulty. It's not like a straight uh, ramp-up. But it definitely gets really difficult as you get through, and there's more and more things to deal with, and you have to kind of pre-plan how you're going to do it. Otherwise, you have to restart the level and try again, because you can end up in a spot where you can't move him anymore just because of like something that's attached to him that has no place to go. And so there will be times where you'll we'll have to completely restart levels if you paint yourself into a corner.
1: Yeah. And you know, they really they get that personality and charm from like Oddbot and then it has a little puzzle and robot idea of mecharama. It has that same kind of vibe where you have puzzles that build upon themselves. They each fit in their own kind of puzzle style, but they share that cute little robot as a main character. And they want you to proceed through all the included levels. In this case, there's over 120 different levels in Marvin the Cube. There's even a subtle little storyline, kind of like Oddbot, where your cube is malfunctioned. It's been essentially thrown to the garbage. And then it proves the manufacturer's wrong as you get it to perform these different tasks and move
0: through the levels. Yeah, one of the other aspects, I I love that little storyline. Yeah, and it's it's just one little cute aspect they've added to it, and one of the other things they do that that's kind of cute is the way they've set up the customization of your cube. So initially, you can roll onto like this little rainbow square. It'll appear somewhere in one of the levels. It's not in every level. And when you go on that, each time you find one of those, you get a few more additional ways you can customize the cube. So you can put on eyes and nose and mouth, ears, you can change the color of them. I think there's glasses and I think there's hair, too. And so... It kind of in those levels where that thing appears, you want to try to find, you want to try to just finish the level. But then you also have this, well, maybe I shouldn't leave yet because I really want to find a way over to that little customized thing to see what new things they've added and what I can get. Uh, new things I can put on this cube, because you're watching this cube roll around the whole time. You want it to look kind of cool. And so I just thought that was a neat little way that they've done it, where it's not like a common menu that you always can access. It's just kind of like a portal that shows up every once in a while.
1: Yep. And so that's Marvin the Cube. It's free, it's universal. And then there's Hipster Sheep, which has sheep dressed as hipsters essentially. <laughs> and it's a tile based puzzle game where you drag tiles onto the board to create a path from point A to point B for the sheep to get to. And along the way, there might be suitcases or gold coins or various pickups that you want to direct the sheep to. And at the start, it's pretty straightforward. You place the tiles in order. But then the whole board's empty. And you might have a tile that you place closer to the end before you start placing them around the beginning. And then you can backtrack that way. So you have that constant balance and you only have one tile at a time to drag up onto the board. And the tiles keep coming kind of like a pipe dream or pipe mania idea where you have specific ones you need to find a place for and then go back and try to do the same thing to create that full path.
0: Right. Yeah. So you don't even need to fill up the entire board. So All you have to do is, so once you start to move through it, there'll be three collectibles that the sheep has to pick up on its way out. The golden stuff is extra, so that that just allows you to unlock additional ways to customize the sheep later. But there'll be, like, cupcakes, there'll be the exit sign, and then maybe there'll be, like, suitcases or mixtapes or something hipstery. And so (laughs) as soon as you put down a tile that allows for a path for him to go towards one of those items he has to pick up. He'll start following the path and go that way. So you never have to actually fill everything. You just have to find amongst those tiles a way to form a path that gets from the start to that exit sign and hopefully picks up those other collectibles along the way.
1: And each level has a specific goal where at the end what's now hip because they're trying to get to the next big thing so it might be like you know organic sweaters that you get in line at starbucks and those are going to be kind of the little personality infusion to kind of keep you going from level to level because the levels themselves they're not the most challenging it's not on marvin the cube scale where it gets to that point it's a little bit more straightforward but it's a different kind of puzzle experience with that specific tile that you can't fully plan out your moves you you can plan to the best of your ability but you kind of still have to react at what's going to pop up
0: right yeah i wouldn't say this is the most difficult even when they start to have more tiles that you gotta pick yourself it still never gets super difficult it's usually pretty easy to complete the levels the thing that drives me forward is just the humor of the game like you see these hipster sheep you always are curious what their next big thing is going to be Uh, the, the, there is an energy meter, which normally I'm super annoyed by, but this one seems to be free flowing where they give you a lot of the things and the shape like Starbucks cups. So that's a win for me. (laughs) And then they just updated the app and the update notes said things were getting too mainstream. So we added some improvements to make it more niche for everyone. Like, who doesn't love an update like that? This is, like, they are totally into this theme and just driving it forward and going for bust. And I love that they never stray, even from the update notes, from that whole hipster theme that they have going. And it's just that whole thing that I just really love this game, even though it's not very difficult.
1: Yeah, it seems like each game this week, they stood out by the personality infusion Onto a kind of established genre.
0: And
1: so exactly, that is hipster in yeah. yeah. that's hipster yeah, is free, gonna say, it's universal.
0: Yeah, and so one last one which really drives home that whole personality is there's a second episode. So in 2014, a game called Bertram Fiddle came out. It's an, it's a point and click adventure game set in the 19th century, Victorian London. And you're this adventurer, And so you're trying to solve a murder. And so now they've just come out with Bertram Fiddle episode two, a bleaker predicament. And it is the sequel to the, it takes place just after the story of the first one. And it's, they just expand every aspect of it. So it's bigger puzzles, more deep puzzles, a longer story. And if you love the first one, you're going to love this one even more. And I definitely recommend checking out uh, the second episode of Bertram Fiddle. If you haven't checked out the first, grab that one, too. Uh, it's a universal app, three ninety nine, Definitely worth it.
1: Sounds good. And I think that's everything for episode 32. Yep, that's all I got. Brett, thanks for joining me. A pleasure as always. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed and we'll talk to you next time.
0: Talk to you later.